Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey, it's Ben here, and in addition to this podcast, I also teach Microsoft Excel online. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access to the course. Stay tuned after the episode for a little bit more information as to why it's so important to improve your Excel skills and unlock your inner Excel ninja. Thanks. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I have the wonderfully named Bobby Shanks here with me. Hey there, Bobby. How are you? Hey, Ben. How are you doing, man? Thanks for having me. I am doing fantastic. You want to give the listeners a little bit of, of background on you, and I'd, I'd suggest to do you know, a humble brag or a shameless self-promotion or whatever's going to pump you up before we talk about some, some failures. Yeah, sure. So, okay, so kind of a humble brag. Uh, I live in St. Louis, but uh, I did not grow up in the city. I've been here for several years now. I actually grew up in a very, very small uh, agrarian community in northern Missouri. Uh, like my high school class had 22 kids and to date is still the largest class that ever graduated. So um, I like to brag about where I come from because it actually is a pretty humble, uh, you know, place of origin as far as uh, the Midwest goes. And it's had a pretty big influence on my, my career in the city. Um, and of course, had a, a big influence on how I wrote this book too. So, and so you held up your book for the listeners who can't see it. You want to give a little oh, background yeah. on the book and what what it is? All right. So, um, I wrote this book called Undateable, and uh, basically, what it is, you know, you want to talk about you know failure guy, uh, mm-hmm. or or I like to say failing forward. So after eighteen years of marriage. And in my mid forties, uh, I found myself in a divorce. So, you know, kind of muddled through all of that and uh, learned how to swallow a lot of pride and come out on, on top, at least for me, what was coming out on top. And uh, so now I'm on the dating scene again for the first time really in my adult life, because I I basically got married right after college and I went to college in Kansas City. That's why I was there for several years. And um, so my dating life commenced. And let me tell you, it was interesting, (laughs) say the least. (laughs) Well, I'm excited because this will be the first match first match made through failure guy. Hopefully if anyone listening, um, uh, if you're still in the market is what I'm hearing. Uh, you are currently going through the, the dating journey still, but, uh, what, what inspired you to write the book? All right. So, you know, the easiest way to answer that question is I actually wrote this book by mistake. So a couple summers ago, I, uh, actually during COVID I decided, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm a, I'm an all right guy and, you know, I basically have my life together. So I should, I should do okay, you know, out there in the, the free agency dating world. And uh, so I went on over 50 dates 
And in my book, I talk about those experiences and I have actually some very specific anecdotes from my dating experiences that I share in the book. Some of them are about some crazy people I went out with and some of them, some of the stories are about some legitimate mistakes that I made in dating. So I went through this whole process for more than half a year. And then in September of 2020, uh, I sat down on my sofa one night, actually after a date, and I'm like, I swear I must be the most undateable guy on the planet because clearly I'm doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. So I, I flipped open my laptop and I actually started sitting there and typing different experiences I had had during dating, basically to try to decipher why I'm undateable. <laughs> I love it because it's exactly what I did with my failure guy thing. Before I decided to do a podcast, I realized I was fired from every job I've ever had. And so I was like, and to your point, sometimes it was their fault. Sometimes it was my fault. And I was like, well, I'm like the world's number one failure. You went down in the undateable path. We both had to beat ourselves up yep. and kind of like write out yep. what's going on. Cause we got to finally, you know, own up and face up to some of these things. Right. That's right. You're absolutely right. So here's the, here's the accidental part of writing the book. I had no intentions of writing a book. I was just writing these little sentences and paragraphs about my experiences and Two and a half months later, I had a, you know, 55,000 word manuscript <laughs> that just sort of magically turned into a book. You know, I, I wrote the book uh, as a way, basically as a self-reflection um, so that I could kind of make sure that I had my own affairs in order, whether it was emotional, mental, masculinity insecurities, like all the stuff that everyday normal people deal with, but that not a lot of people talk about, especially not on a public forum like this. So I just started documenting all of these stories and, and if you will, sort of threading the needle, the common theme until I basically figured out what my undateable tendencies were, which is what it says here, why singles struggle with dating and what to do about it. So I not only identified what my undateable tendencies were, but having been on that many dating experiences, most of which were just single dates, I kind of found that there was a common thread um, in the adult dating community in the world today. And so I, I took that to the next level. And I started developing concepts, if you will, academically even, that people could read, apply to their life, go back out into the dating pool with this new information, these new ideas and knowledge, and frankly, just be more successful. Do you have a favorite tip, like one of your tips that you think uh, everybody <laughs> needs to hear? Because I know there's a lot of things. I don't know if it's specifically geared towards men. Uh, and tips for them, or also tips for the women that you encountered as well. But um, I'd I'd love to know what you think is is a like a go to tip that everybody should know about. Yeah, so um, I it is a, a book for men and for women, and in fact, eighty five percent of my viewing audience on my show is women, 
but I do have one specific chapter in my book that I wrote for men. I have one specific chapter in my book that I wrote for women. Um, but all of the other 18 other chapters are for anybody and everybody. I even wrote a chapter for married people mm. because I was married for 18 years. And I, I think there's some things that are really important that you need to know if you're a married person about continuing to date your spouse and why that's important. You know, as far as an important tip, as it relates to my book, I mean, I, dude, I'm full of tips. <laughs> there are so many tips. Is one of them get a cowboy hat? Because I feel like that sounds <laughs> yeah. like it's, a, it's an important one. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, people, especially adults, right? So when you're in your Let's just say that if you're at a point in your life, especially if you're post-divorce, mm -hmm. you know, whether you're 30 or 40 or 50 or whatever, and you, so now you've got a lot of life experiences, right? It's not like you're a teenager in your twenties and you're just, you know, falling in love so easily. Now you've got experience, you've got scars, you've got standards, criteria, and what I found was true for me and, and really true for a lot of people is people that the longer they're single and especially the older they get and the more long-term relationships that they go through, whether it's one or five by the time they're 40 plus years old, their list of criteria, quite, quite frankly, it's just too big. It's too much. I interviewed a gal here a few months ago she actually took a picture of her journal entry. It was two pages and sent it to me. I, I don't know. It was probably 50 bullet points of what she was looking for in a mate. So I did some some one-on-one -on -one dating coaching with her. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hon, you need to rip those pages out and you need three things. Um, and in my book, I call them the pillars, the three pillars. And um, so we, we went through this exercise over probably about a period of a month and a half. And she, she rewrote those uh, criteria for herself. And about a month later, uh, she was in a steady relationship with a gentleman that just rocked her world. They were really compatible. And those three pillars are really, what, what are your three core values. And, and here's how I define a core value. And by the way, I, I don't have a degree in psychology. I'm, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I'm, I'm actually a real estate agent. <laughs> uh, but because of what I do for a living, I'm, I'm in and out of people's homes. I'm in and out of you know people's marriages and their dynamics. So I have a little bit of extra insight is from that those experiences. But the three pillars are if you are all alone, on a deserted island and you are going to be there forever. Like you are never going to see another human being ever again. And you know it. What are your three core values? Just you and your deserted island. What are the three core values that are going to be the most important to you for the remainder of, you might be on that island for 60 years all by yourself, but these are three core values, three pillars and that are most important to you. And if you can identify what those are and really get them down to their lowest common denominator, and then you can use those three pillars, if you will, kind of like a compass mm -hmm. to point you to the right type of person that you should be dating. Now, the book goes on and, and has some other things too about the three bonuses, 
which are separate from the three pillars. The three bonuses are, uh, let's say that you are a guitar player. Well, how cool would it be if you could find somebody who's a guitar player, or maybe they like to sing, or maybe they're the type of person that uh, maybe their dad was a guitar player. And it's something that, that it's something you can share. It's, it's, it's along the lines of compatibility. Same thing is true. You know, maybe you're a runner. Uh, maybe you're a gym person. Maybe you're a person that likes to be in church three days a week, or maybe you like dogs or maybe you hate dogs <laughs> and uh, you're looking for somebody who also doesn't like dogs. So the three pillars and the three bonus items are, are really the, the most important from an academic standpoint tips that I go through in my book. And I actually have some exercises that people can go through to kind of help them discern as well as derive what their three pillars are. That sounds really cool. I'm sure that the woman you helped, that the man she ended up with would have probably not crossed off every item on her 50 item list. I bet he would have had quite a few that he failed at if she, <laughs> well, if she kept it. Actually, what, what I told her after uh, I had had a chance to read all of it, as I, I told her, I said, "Hun, Jesus could not fit this list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I said it to be humorous, of course, mm-hmm. but but on a serious note, it's it um, it's a real undateable tendency that people have. And it's much more amplified the older you get because you just mm-hmm. get right. Your database just has more knowledge. And so you become more picky, more pet peeves and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like a, you know, a division one basketball coach on the first day of practice. You know, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to dribble. And we're going to shoot. And that's all we're going to do. We're going to go back to the basics. We're not going to run any skills. We're not going to run any plays. Just get back to the basics. And that's that's the point of the three pillars. Yeah, because also if you have such strict standards, you're going to be shutting out a lot of people who might wow you and you might pass over because. Yeah, I did it. Oh, yeah, I did it. So let's do you mind telling us what what that means? Well, um Sure. So I, I, I went on a date with a, with a girl and she's, she's in my book. I think I've got 15 stories in my book about my, some very personal dating experiences. Now these, these people, I don't call them by name. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I even have a disclaimer in the front of the book that says stories here have been altered to protect the innocent and that kind of thing, as you can imagine. So these are based on real experiences. But um, uh, I knew this gal previously, like we, we were acquaintances. I, I didn't meet her on a, you know, a dating app or something like that. So we went on a date and it was good. Uh, she was my kind of smart, my kind of funny, beautiful face, beautiful hair. And we had, we had a good, we probably, I don't know, probably two hours, maybe three hours. We just sat and chat and ate some food and drank some wine. And it was a great date. And might have been a little smoochy at the end uh, <laughs> as well, which was quite pleasant. And um, I ghosted her. Oh, geez. Yeah. And, and here's why. I had a great time, but I, I just knew that she just wasn't the right fit for me. And, and this was very early on. Like, I let me just mm-hmm. tell everybody, if you're listening or watching, I don't make these mistakes anymore. 
Are you a reformed ghoster? Do you know? I'm a reformed ghost? ghoster. Thank you. I've been through rehab. <laughs> well, it, so let me tell you how the story concluded. That happened during a very busy time of year for me. It was like midsummer. Like I said, I'm a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. So I, I have kind of an excuse for just being, you know, I was really busy. But the bottom line is, I didn't talk to that girl for a month after that date. And it was a good date. And if I wasn't feeling it, I really should have just called her. You know, at the very minimum, I should have sent her a text to say, hey, I had a great time. Would love to hang out with you more, maybe more along the lines of being friends rather than, uh, you know, going after a long-term relationship. Anything would have been better than, than doing nothing. Well, so about a month went by and she called me. Was it a surprise? <laughs> Your face uh, leads me to believe that you were not ready for it. <laughs> oh, so my phone rings and it's her and it's her name. And I'm like, oh, the roosters have come home. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I have put this off and put this off. I've got to talk to this girl and I got to fall on my sword. So I will say in, in that particular instance, I got really lucky because she was an absolutely wonderful and graceful, merciful, forgiving person. And we're still friends to this day. And I, I explained to her what happened and what I was thinking. And, and to be honest with you, she kind of coached me. <laughs> and uh, like I said, it was very early on in my, you know, new single dating experiences. And I, I was, uh, I learned a valuable lesson and, and I'm very fortunate that it was such a great person that I got to learn it with because she absolutely could have thrown me under the bus and chewed me up, spit me out, and there would have been nothing I could do. Yeah, no, it's no fun getting ghosted, even ghosting people. I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever done it truthfully or at least intentionally, uh, maybe accidentally, but it is, it's rough. And I think we both would agree that it's not the way to go. You should at least just tell them how you feel or yeah, whatever, gracefully bow out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that lack of closure can be rough. Now, here's a crazy story for you. Now, this one is not in my book. I mean, obviously, not all my stories made it. <laughs> yeah. And we don't want to ruin the book. So we'll, we'll save some for. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I met this gal. Uh, I, I was on like a little uh, vacation week outside of St. Louis. And I met this gal. You know, we hit it off. It was super friendly. And um, and we we kept in touch. And she she lives in Missouri, but it's a little bit of a drive from here. And so uh, every once in a while, she, you know, reach out and say, Hey, I'm going to be driving through. Do you want to have lunch or whatever? I'm like, perfect. Sounds good. Uh, we didn't go out that much, like two or three times. And out of nowhere, I get a text message from her husband. I knew it. I knew it was going to be a husband based on the face and the, the guilt you felt, even though you didn't know. Well, okay, so here's the lesson I learned, and I, I definitely want to share this lesson with people. She told me she was separated. And, and while my divorce was going on, you know, my, my ex-wife and I, we didn't live together for over a year. Like I was definitely, I wasn't just separated. Like we weren't, we were living in different houses in different parts of the town. Like I was separated. Yeah. And in my mind, I was single, mm -hmm. right? Divorce is filed. I'm I'm on the road. It's going to happen. So I'm free to date. Well, here's a very important lesson that I want 
adult, actual single people to know. And I definitely want people who are separated, who think they're single to know. If you're an adult single, do not date someone who says they're separated because I got news for you. They're not single and I'm not sorry. I feel bad, right? It sucks to be separated. Mm -hmm. And during the whole COVID thing, I mean, there were divorces that went on for over a year just because the court system wasn't processing dockets. I get it. But uh, if you are a healthy, well-adjusted, mentally stable, emotionally stable adult single, and you want to maintain peace and harmony in your life and growth, Mm -hmm. do not date a separated person. (laughs) Wait till they're divorced at the very least. Is that wait? And you can be polite. You can say, yeah, you're, you're absolutely beautiful. You're charming. You've got a great personality. Whenever your divorce is final, uh, here's my number. Look me up. I'd, I'd love to go out with you sometime and then move on. Did you experience that when you were in separation mode? No. People uh, doing that to you? Uh, no. Uh-uh. No, but I, I did date. I did date uh, a, a gal while I was separated. And you say you would say not to date yourself is what I'm hearing. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. In that scenario. <laughs> now, it, I, coincidentally, and I want to, we don't have to go too far down the the bunny bunny trail here, but the girl I was dating while I was separated, she was also in the process of being separated. And that, so that was, kind of, that's actually called trauma bonding. Okay. So your adult single caveat definitely applies. Yeah. You know, right. Because you weren't both adult singles. Yeah. Trauma bonding is, yeah. and whenever you bond with someone called trauma bonding, you know, like you're both in divorce or separation yeah. or, or you're both in post-divorce. Well, I tell you, trauma bonding is a, is a powerful emotion and, and it can be uh, healthy. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, uh, people who form a relationship where the foundation is out of trauma bonding, that relationship typically does not work out. It's a lot more codependency because trauma bonding is not a core value. Yeah. Oh, and I was I was curious if you don't mind uh, divulging. What are your three pillars? <laughs> if you don't mind, I, I'm curious to to know. You know what? I I actually wrote them down. I, I actually I don't mind. Um, I actually haven't been asked that for a while. Let me. In the meantime, I'll say that I, uh, if I was stuck on a desert island, uh, I'd be dead by the, uh, I don't know, dawn of the next day. So I'd need someone who can help yeah. help build a fire and stuff, you know? <laughs> so here, here are my three pillars. It has to be someone that shares the same faith that I do. I have seen, uh, and, and, I, and I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to talk about something that's pol- too polarizing, get people's feathers all rough. Oh, these are your, these are your pillars. You know, so it's yeah. it's okay for you to want that. But, you know, I, I have many experiences through the years in real estate where, you know, someone of a significantly different faith marries someone uh, of a very different faith. And it's, it's a recipe. Uh, I, I'm not going to say for disaster. It's just, it's a recipe for a lot of headache, heartache, emotional turmoil, tumultuousness in the marriage, tumultuousness in the parenting. And you should just avoid it. It's like uh, seems like a guaranteed double life kind of thing where you're living yeah. two different religious lives. Yeah. Um, the second thing for me is um, I'm a I'm a type A personality. I'm a doer, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm looking for someone who has 
not necessarily a type A, but I want them to have a really good work ethic. Um, someone who's passionate about whatever their line of work is, and, and maybe it's not their work. Maybe it's a uh, you know, something outside of work, like a charity or a hobby or something like that. I just, I want somebody who can understand my passion. You know, you can see on my wall behind me here, Mm -hmm. like I don't do anything halfway. If my, anytime I put myself to something, my goal is to go for gold Yeah, and I I don't stop until I get there. And I don't know, it's just my personality. It seems to work out for me. I see mostly gold behind you, but gold or gold (laughs) oriented would be Probably that second pillar, right? Goal oriented yeah. is a good way to describe it. Very goal oriented, very uh, a positive person, very passionate about the thing in their life that drives them that is outside of, you know, a romantic long-term relationship or even their parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've seen a lot of, uh, and not to pick on our lady friends here, but <laughs> I see like, dude, I, I have reviewed thousands thousands of dating app bios. And one thing that women say a lot, and it even shows up in their pictures, is that their kids are their number one priority. And then they've got 10 pictures and nine of them are with their kids. And men look at that and go, oh, well, I guess when we go on our date, where your kids are coming because they're in every one of your photos. Or at the very least, I'm number two priority by default is yep. is how I'd read it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how men read it specifically. And so what I've coached women on is, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that if you're a single mom and you've got, you know, a kid in elementary or, you know, one in elementary, one in junior high or whatever, of course, they're your number one priority. They're, given. you know, living, breathing human beings that depend upon your emotional support and your financials to live. Yeah. But outside of that, you know, when you write your whole bio about, you know, your kids being your number one priority, I think it's just safe to say that people know that people assume that I I'm a single dad and I've got kids. Obviously my kids are my number one priority, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to, I don't want to overdo uh, especially in, in a basically dating apps are resumes. I don't want to overdo my resume on that specific topic. Yeah. Your number one personality trait shouldn't be, you know, the fact that you have a kid or that they're important to you. Obviously that's going to be an important part of your life, but yeah, as far as dating goes, it's not the best, best thing to put uh, out there. Cause it's, it's going to be talked about clearly, Yeah, you know, it's not going to be missed over, but, but you might get missed over by focusing on that in your profile. If you're a woman, I I imagine. Absolutely. Or even a man, you know, even as a father, I'm sure you can do it the same way. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My third item, which is, is a real biggie for me is reciprocation. Anybody who's been in a long-term relationship that ended. And and I know that I'm generalizing when I say Mm -hmm. anybody, but I like, I'm talking 99% of anybody who's been in a long-term relationship or marriage probably understands the concept of what it's like to be in a predominantly one-sided relationship where it's the one person who initiates the date, initiates the vacation, initiates touch, initiates words of affirmation, initiate, initiate, initiate. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if someone has that personality that they love to give, it's wonderful. 
Um, but there's a difference between being someone who loves to give and someone who's just a doormat. Yeah. Being taken advantage of. Yeah. And so for me, being, being with someone who likes to uh, have the same consistency in reciprocation and, and not in any just one category, but in all categories of a relationship, mm-hmm. I feel like that keeps the relationship healthy. Imagine a, a fish tank, right? So here's a fish tank and, and here's a dividing wall. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a sliver of glass at the bottom that is missing. So when you pour into this side, this side fills up. And when you pour into this side, this side fills up and it always stays equal. Mm-hmm. Well, if you put that little sliver of glass back in the bottom and you just keep pouring in one side, what happens to the other side? Well, not much until it starts getting overflowed and <laughs> freaking empty. <laughs> of course. Right. It's empty. Yeah. A dead fish. Yeah. And and that's what can happen in uh, relationships who don't communicate and sincerely make an effort to reciprocate with their mate. And let me tell you something, dude, it's not a gender thing. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's a human thing. Reciprocation is something that all human beings desire, whether it's in their work, whether it's in their even relationship with their kids, parents, extracurricular activities, right? Friendships, the people you go on float trips with, that kind of thing. If you put an effort, you want effort put back. That's right. Pretty simple, isn't it? Eventually, you're going to want to stop putting in effort, you know, because yeah. you realize it's not 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 doing you any good. Yeah. And so what's here's what's crazy about that. Right. So when we sit here and we talk about it like this, just openly, like it's so simple. Anybody who's listening to this right now, like, yeah, that's really simple. Reciprocation, pretty basic. But I'll tell you what, it doesn't happen. And a lot of times it doesn't happen. Because as people, you know, they go from 25 to 30 and 30 to 40 and 40 to 50 years old, and they've crossed all of these these foothills that are now mountains, and they've got all of these other experiences, basically, they just become so tarnished Mm -hmm. that they have forgotten. They've forgotten how to reciprocate. Or they're burnt out or whatever, mentally, uh, physically, whatever it is, they, they've whatever it is forgotten, they've forgotten their way. And so that's the point of my book is just to remind people, you know, go back to the basics. Hey, you remember when you were 21 years old and how easy it was to, you know, find somebody to be a sweetheart with and go on dates like you wanted to. You are looking for ways to reciprocate. And as people get older, they kind of stack their wall higher and higher. And, um, you know, my book is about helping people see the wall in front of them and, and, and not dismantle it. You don't have to dismantle your wall, um, but you have to be willing to push, you know, the confines of your walls out so that you can let somebody else in. Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to put it because, it's easy. Well, and also communication is not easy. So like you were saying, yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb and easy, obvious when we and you talk about it, but communicating your wants and needs to, to someone else, especially who's important to you can be yeah. very daunting and sometimes impossible for some people. So that's probably the first step towards even addressing a lack of reciprocation is, is a way of having open communication. 
Yeah. Communication is key. There's a whole chapter just on communication. I can only imagine. Since we are focusing on failure, is there a worse date? Is there one date that comes to mind that is the absolute, the the gem that stands out as being particularly bad? Yeah, there is. (laughs) It's in my book. So uh, have you heard of Urban Dictionary? I'm sure you have. Yes, yes, of course. Okay. So I, I, I haven't checked to see if they've uh, accepted my entry, <laughs> but I made an entry out there called App Troll, A-P-P. Okay. In other words, this is a person who uh, goes on all the dating sites. Now, from my experience, I, I'm a dude, so my app troll was a woman, mm-hmm. and these are people that, that basically stalk men primarily uh, because they want to get something from them. And it can be something as simple as a free dinner Mm -hmm. all the way up to a full on sugar daddy status where they travel the globe. But here's my experience. And, and it's in the book and it's, it's, and let me tell you the original version of how I wrote this story and what actually ended up in the book after editing are very different because my story that I wrote originally was fairly graphic. It definitely would not pass the the NC-17 rated R <laughs> cutoff. Um, and I wanted my book to be able to, you know, be palatable for mainstream consumer. Well, this will be rated, rated explicit as all of mine are, even though sometimes I don't okay. get explicit. So feel free to go wherever you want with it. But so basically... I found this girl on a dating app. She had a handful of pictures. She was absolutely just jaw dropping, stunning. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, we connected and chatted a little bit through the app. And, and then we set a, a date uh, for us to meet up. And I was going to meet her at a nice place here in St. Louis. And she, this was during like early COVID, mid COVID, you know, mid 2020. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I got there a little early and there were no chairs, no, no bar stools. So I went up to the bar and I'm just standing there. And from where I was standing at the bar to where the front door was to this uh, like really old, but popular restaurant, you know, old heart, like almost horse stable floors, mm-hmm. old, old Italian place. I don't know. It was probably 20 feet and she came walking in in a skin tight black dress, no straps. And this dress was cut so low. She definitely could not bend over more than about three inches. Yeah. So she knew what she was doing when she got dressed. She was really <laughs> short. Perfect hair, nails, bright red lipstick. I mean, Honest. Okay. Honestly, it was, it was too much. Yeah. Sounds like it. It was too much for a first date. You know, like if it was our fifth date and we were going to, you know, a bougie downtown, you know, rooftop kind of place nightclub. Okay. But this was like a, a, a pretty conservative old Italian place and it was a first date. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like my jaw, like, you know, like back in the old cartoon days when the tongue has to get rolled up, Uh she was drop dead gorgeous. And you got conflicting emotions, of course. 
Well, I mean, it, it was a first. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I will say I, I generally do tend to date ladies who do show up looking pretty nice, mm-hmm. you know, little hair, little makeup or whatever. But this this gal was over the top. In fact, she she walked about halfway to me and <laughs> pretend this is a fork. There was a guy eating and he stopped and he's like <laughs> and like watched her walk across the room and his wife punched him in the arm hard. Like it was that kind of like back in the old uh, uh, in the old movies where the where the jukebox would screech and everybody would turn and look at the front door. Yeah, it was one of those moments. Wow. And he probably knew he'd get punched. So he still risked it. You know, he knew it was worth the, the, the view. Yeah. So she walked up to the bar and, you know, I turned face her. Hey, how you doing? Reached down, gave her a little hug or whatever. Glad to see her. I think I whispered something in her ear like, wow, you know, yeah, I compliment her. She looked great. I mean, she definitely got an A plus for effort. And um, so I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm turned and I'm talking to her like I'm facing her. And she would not face me. That's off-putting. Like, well, it, okay. So at first I thought, you know, she's just really nervous. Like wouldn't look at you or wouldn't? Would not look at me. Okay. Looking straight and, ahead? Yeah. Like with her hands like this on the bar and she was short. So she's kind of like leaning up. And I mean, I managed to get out of her what type of drink she wanted. So we got that ordered, came over. And I, and like, like I, I'm, dude, I'm so easy going. <laughs> So I thought, well, you know, we'll give this a few minutes. She'll have a drink. She'll loosen up here in a few. I'll say, I'll try to make her laugh and it'll be fine. She'll look at me. Yeah. So (laughs) this went on for, I don't know, I'm going to say 20 minutes. And finally, she turned around and and faced me. Total meth mouth. Okay, gotcha. So it was like a twilight zone when they unveiled the uh, whatever the pig nose thing. It's not the same. That's the actual opposite. But you know what I'm saying? That's why she wasn't looking at you. It gets worse. Well, okay. It get. You know what? Let. I don't want to steal the story. Let me just sum it up. Sure. She had no ride. She got dropped off, and she had me drop her off on a street corner. Oh, geez. She never, she never came right out and asked me for money for sex, but I'm pretty sure she was a prostitute. And so I made this term on, I submitted this term on Urban Dictionary called app troll. And that's men or women who have all of these profiles, sometimes multiple profiles on a dating app because they're specifically targeting you know, let's say older women or middle-aged men or right. So they're profiling. Yeah. Probably the most valuable lesson I learned (laughs) in that one scenario. Oh, and, and Ben, let me tell you, dude, I've got, I got so many of these stories. This is just the one that came to mind. I never ever would tell anybody and nor have I since clicked, swiped right on somebody's app profile, unless there was very clear pictures of them smiling (laughs) with their teeth. Yeah. Just because you don't want to deal with that again. Yeah. I mean, she, uh, she was beautiful, obviously a drug addiction, obvious. 
And I don't even know what a meth mouth looks like. But when you see it, you, you know, but I'm pretty sure that was it. <laughs> like it, it wasn't somebody with just bad genetics. Like it was chaos. Oh, tales from the crypt inside her mouth, man. The crypt keeper, his mouth. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Great question, man. Thanks. Uh, well, that sounds awful, but hilarious at the same time. I mean, sometimes some of the some of the worst experiences in the moment become better with time. Obviously, I think yeah. what is a tra tragedy is comedy plus time. True that is 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 a statement. Is there any other specific things on failure that you want to touch on before we get to the last couple of questions that I have, which are more forward looking? You know, I don't I don't want to bore the audience with uh, somber stuff, but one of the things I learned is what I call worthy versus willing, and um, and it's it's actually the last chapter in my book, or I'm sorry, willing versus worthy, and here's mm -hmm. what happens out there. People, just like a job interview, people spend so much time focusing on why they are worthy to be dated, mm -hmm. right? I'm tall or I'm, I have money or I have my own house or I, you know, I like to travel or my, what, just whatever BS criteria, you know, bullet points that people build up as value in their head, why they're so worthy, the highlight reel of their own life. Yeah, the highlight head. reel, right? The, their social media version of themselves. Yeah. And I'm guilty. I've done it. I wrote about it. I was talking about me in the book. Mm -hmm. The problem is nobody cares. If you don't demonstrate, and I'm going to say literally from the first date, mm -hmm. first words texted, first words spoken, the first date, the firsts. If you can't demonstrate to that other person that you're really willing to be in a legitimate, healthy, monogamous, long-term relationship, you're, you're never going to get past three dates with anybody. You're just not. And if you do, it's not, it's not going to work. It's not going to be real. I, I am not a promoter of friends with benefits. Mm -hmm. That's that's not what I promote in my book. I actually promote, you know, healthy, long term monogamous relationships. So, you know, it's really e in fact, I actually call uh, friends with benefits. That's your drug dealer. <laughs> so the dopamine kick. That's what I call it in the book. I, I, I said, look, if you're in a friends with benefits relationship, you're either the drug addict or you're the drug dealer. And worse, you might be both. Well, uh, it's uh, it can easily be a reciprocal thing when it comes to that. Yeah. Not the kind that you like in your pillar, but the, the yeah, <laughs> I, I have a whole chapter of bad kind. Uh, but you so willing, you mean willing to be open, willing to be vulnerable, willing to yeah. put yourself out there and willing to be someone who's actually present and and giving your full self rather than just yeah. being a promotional salesy kind of. Uh, yes. No offense, like a lot of real estate agents. Are. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, no, that sounds like a good thing to do it. And I mean, a good way to split it up. And so would you say you'd want to be both willing and worthy or is yes. it really a versus scenario? It's it, it's not an either or. It's just that people, adult singles work so hard on their worthy, right? In their own mind. Mm -hmm. Like what? Like what's wrong with what's wrong with them? I'm worthy. Yeah. And, you know, the whole as a form of self-confidence or whatever. And, and here's the deal. You, maybe you are. 
Maybe you are worthy. Maybe you are an absolute incredible person who someone would be lucky enough to have a healthy long-term relationship with. But if you're going to have a reciprocal pillar, Mm -hmm. that means you have to be willing to meet that person where they want to be met. You can't just expect everything to come your way and for it to be your way. Hey, look, this has come from a type A personality. (laughs) All right. I've done the work. I mean, I I call myself the world's number one failure. So I'm on board. I, I, I get the battle with are you worthy or are you not worthy and like wanting to clarify that to yourself. But yeah, when you're putting yourself out there in a dating scenario, that shouldn't be your focus and it's going to lead you astray if if your main point of the whole thing is promoting how great you are yeah rather than actually being vulnerable me and you both know we fail a lot we're uh, we are okay with not being perfect and you know that's it's just part of the game yeah willing versus worthy i like it so being a guest on the show you get a get out of fail free card which is similar to the Monopoly card. You get to use it to uh, pursue a career, a hobby, a passion, a whatever kind of thing you think you would have wanted to do, but you avoided it because of the amount of failure that's involved or the amount of not good at it you'd be. Uh, Is there something you'd use that card for if you had it? Oh, I'm just going to tell everybody there's bodybuilding trophies behind you or medals. Uh, There's all sorts of awards. (laughs) So you've clearly uh, succeeded at a lot of things. But I imagine there's some areas where you've had doubt and maybe you wanted to get out of fail free card essentially for it. Yeah. So get out of fail free card. You know, (laughs) dude, this is so cheesy. Do it. That's fine. I would have loved to have been a NASCAR driver. That's awesome. I mean, that sounds like it makes sense. You can even see some of my, I mean, you can even see some of my NASCAR stuff where I have driven NASCARs, but I would have loved to have gone all the way, like make a career out of it. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's, there's nothing. I don't think I've ever told anybody that before. <laughs> well, that's great. I mean, there's nothing cheesy about it. I I'm new to this part of America. So NASCAR doesn't run deep in my blood, but I know it's, I know everyone loves it. And if you couldn't fail at it, I'm sure it'd be great. Certainly it's a bit dangerous of a sport, uh, depending on a little bit. It's also thrilling. And I bet you, I mean, if you've already got awards and stuff, you've probably been further than I even know exists. What's, what, what, what did you, how far did you get, I guess, in your NASCAR journey? Well, so what those are, and, and I'm, I'm going to challenge you to do this. <laughs> okay. So you are not too far away, about 30 minutes from the Kansas, the I-70 Kansas Speedway. I've driven past it. I've seen it. Yeah. And I said, okay, that must be a big deal around here. Yeah. It's also near a casino or two, I think, if I remember correctly. Yep. Okay. So if you uh, if you go on Google and you type in the Richard Petty driving experience, okay, they will show you what the dates are at different speedways around the country, including the Kansas Speedway. For like two hundred bucks, you can drive a NASCAR. Well, that sounds pretty cool. 
and it is fantastic. It's funny because I am trying at the moment to sell my car because it's a manual and I don't really know how to drive it. I When I first got it, I had to drive 1,800 miles not knowing really what I was doing. Yeah. And so my anxiety's rough when it comes to a manual. I imagine NASCAR cars are not automatics. Is that right? No, no. <laughs> so I need to get better at that first, a little bit, right? Well, so it, it's a whole day experience. Like you show up at the track at like 9 or 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. You go through a whole safety class. They show you the gear, how to get in and out of the car. And it's a good car. My car is terrible. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely part of it for sure. You know, I got a really cheap, it's like a 2007 Elantra. So it's, it's not, it's not going past 65 probably, but I'm sure those ones, all the gears operate the right way and you don't need to learn like, you know, the specific version of it. But right. that, that sounds cool. Uh, and so they teach you everything Yeah. and get and let, let you drive. Yeah. So then you get in the car and then you, you basically follow an instructor in the car ahead of you. And your goal is to stay a certain distance from them while you're going around the corners. And the better you drive, the faster they let you go. That's cool. And so that's where you did it. I think at the speedway in Vegas, I think I got up to 150. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Now 150 miles an hour in, you know, a Corvette driving down I-70, I don't advise that, but it's actually not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But 150 miles per hour in a car with no exhaust system and open windows banking sideways, it's a totally different experience. Yeah, big turns. Well, I can only imagine. And I will definitely check that out. And I won't guarantee that I'll do it, but I'll guarantee that I will think about it. You think about it. <laughs> <laughs> And then the last uh, plan question, Delise, is uh, what are you going to fail at next? What's your next big thing that you're going to fail at? Uh, Great question. So um, here's what I'm working on. So I wrote this book. Uh, I I have a great career in real estate. I love it. I'm not leaving it. I wouldn't change it for anything. I love what I do. Like, dude, I don't even work. Mm -hmm. I just talk to friends and, and I don't even sell houses. I'm a marketing guy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a relational people person, but I do want to take my book to the next level. And I, I hope I'm going to start doing weekend seminars, weekend conferences mm-hmm. for single people. You're going to hopefully uh, do some workshops, live training. Yep. What would it be like? Uh, fake dates? Well, so basically you would, you would show up on Saturday morning we would have an opening speaker, probably a comedian. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. You know, cu- cu- probably two or 300 people, probably a 60-40 split as far as gender goes, a few hundred dollars to attend the conference. Mm-hmm. So you have this opening speaker, then you break out into these different workshops. They're kind of like electives. So you get to choose what you want to do. So if you want to, if you're a man and you're interested in this topic, it's in this room. And so then I have all of these different uh, people qualified on those different topics. Um, then, you know, you have, you come back together, you know, there's probably a, a fun group activity, uh, you know, with a couple hundred people, it'd be fun. Yeah. You know, probably followed by a happy hour mixer that evening. And then everybody comes back Sunday morning and, uh, you know, you wrap up, you know, after lunch or early afternoon that day. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, the idea is basically just making it a really fun, enthusiastic and positive experience 
that at the end, when people leave, they actually have some, some tools that they can think about like, hey, I really do need to work on this. Like, this is something I need to think about. You know, if you're someone who can't shut up and all you do on a date is talk the whole time, you better date a mute. <laughs> yeah, a good listener. Right. Uh, wants so to listen. <laughs> basically helping people identify uh, their potential undateable tendencies, but but just as important to help them find what's great about them, you know? So we're going to help them identify their worthy mm-hmm. and we're going to help them get busy at working on their willing. Gotcha. I like dateability retreat. I think retreat sounds good because it seems like you're going yeah. off to a destination, but that's a good thing to fail at. I like that. That's where your where your head's at and where you're going with it, because maybe even some matches will be made at these oh, yeah. uh, at these events. So, you know, you'll be responsible in some way for uh, love connection. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I had nothing. <laughs> well, I was say they actually have. I mean, this concept isn't brand new. Mm-hmm. But what I want to do is 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 bring it down t- to an affordable level, you know. So there are actually singles cruises, like you can go on, like basically everything I just said, except yeah. for five days in the Mediterranean. But it's not five hundred dollars; it's five thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then the term sandals or the name sandals rings a bell to me, or something similar to that. But yeah, yeah, I like your version of it. Sounds like it's more uh, more low key, yeah, less stressful and more about figuring out, you know, whether collectively or individually, how to, how to get better at, at dating, which is great. Yeah. You know, a lot of us need help, especially in this day and age of dating apps and all the craziness that, that we're facing. True that. Uh, where can listeners go to find you? What's the best place where they can go and uh, see what you're up to these days or what, what uh, links would you send them to? Well, so uh, absolutely the best place to to see my show, which comes out every week, is just on my Facebook page. It's Undateable the Book okay. on Facebook. We also have a fairly new platform on TikTok, which is regularly getting views. Like we have a couple of our videos that have had over a hundred thousand views. Um, they're not full shows, but that's where I do my dating pro tips. So uh, you can catch us on TikTok under Undateable. But definitely, if, if you want to follow the show, you want to reach out, direct message me. If you go to Undateable, the book on Facebook, that's the best place to catch me. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I really uh, definitely appreciate it. And I look forward to uh, seeing what you do with that, um, that workshop and uh, hope that the book continues to uh, do well. Awesome. Thanks, man. Always failing forward. Absolutely. You know it. Thanks. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over 5 hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team 
how to avoid spreadsheet failures, and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.